you will profit by me from among your own people. You shall keep such a prophet. This is what you requested of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, If I hear the voice of the Lord my God anymore, or ever again see this great fire, I will die. Then the Lord replied to me, They are right in what they have said. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their own people. I will put my words in the mouth of the prophet, who shall speak to them everything that I command. Anyone who does not heed the words of that prophet, anyone who does not heed the words that the prophet speaks in my name, I myself will hold accountable. But any prophet who speaks in the name of other gods, or who presumes to speak in my name a word that I have not commanded the prophet to speak, that one shall die. Hear what the Spirit says to the
but love builds up. Anyone who claims to know something does not have yet, does not yet have the necessary knowledge. But anyone who loves God is known by Him. Hence, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that no idol in the world really exists, and that there is no God but one. Indeed, even though there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as in fact there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom all things and from whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things and through whom we exist. It is not everyone, however, who has this knowledge, since some have become so accustomed to idols until now, they still think of the food they eat as food offered to an idol. And their conscience, being weak, is defiled. <coughs> food will not bring us close to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat, and no better off if we do. But take care that this liberty of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if others see you who possess knowledge, eating in the temple of the Bible, might they not, since their conscience is weak, be encouraged to the point of eating food sacrificed to idols? So by your knowledge, those weak believers for whom Christ died are destroyed. But when you thus sin against members of your family and wound their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food is the cause of their falling, I will never eat meat so that I may not cause one of them to fall. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church.
Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent, and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this? A new teaching, with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obeyed him. At once, the fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. Jesus. 
Jesus commanded the disciples to heal every kind of disease, every kind of sickness, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and cast out unclean spirits. And he gave them the power to do this. That command extends to each one of us here today. We hear in Mark 6, Jesus called the twelve and began to send them out two by two. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. Healing prayer and laying on of hands was a part of the early church liturgy until about the sixth century. It was largely sacramental through our baptism and the Eucharist. It was around the seventh century healing was no longer part of the liturgy. The attitude toward sickness and health changed one that regarded sickness as a discipline sent from God. Ancient practice or anointing for healing gradually became the unction for the dying, known as the last rite. It was believed that anointing healed people of their sins, but the purpose was to speed them to heaven, not to bring them healing in this world. And then we go to the Middle Ages, healing and laying on of hands all that disappeared. Thomas Aquinas believed there was no place for religious healing. Illness was connected with sin and seen as a punishment from God, or as preparing the soul for salvation. And miraculous healings were seen as signs of the apostolic age. It's interesting to note that healing, the healing industry never went away from the Eastern Orthodox Church. It's remained constant. In the 20th and 21st century, there has been a renewal of the healing ministry within the mainline churches. We know of the Pentecostals, the charismatic movements, there are pilgrimages to shrines such as Lourdes and Metagorgia. The International Order of St. Luke is an organization dedicated to healing within the church. The Mind, Body, Spirit Clinic at Harvard, started by Herbert Benson, stressing the importance of medicine and prayer, bringing about healing and wholeness. And Dr. Larry Gossie has written a book encouraging physicians to pray with their patients. Healing ministry centers, such as Francis and Judith McNaughton Center in Jacksonville, Florida, and more recently, Nigel Mumford has started a healing center at Christ the King Spiritual Life Center in Greenwich, New York. And then we have programs in our church like Adam Sanford and Martin Kelsey and Avery Brooks. That's a quick summary of the healing ministry, but I just wanted you to have an idea of what we're talking about here. My first encounter with the healing prayer happened years ago when we were living in New York raising a young family. A 52-year-old friend of ours in Wall Street, Florida, Alan, received a diagnosis of throat cancer, which would require radical surgery. He was told he would only be able to eat baby food for the rest of his life, and he would be left unable to speak. He chose not to have the surgery. He didn't want to live the rest of his life like that. As his disease progressed, he was in and out of the hospital and did not want to see anyone except his family, so none of us saw him as friends at first. But at one point, my husband, Bob, was helping his wife with some financial issues, and he told her, my wife prays for people. Well, I'm not really sure 
telling, I, I, he told him that we prayed to him and I didn't think too much about it. The very next day, we get a phone call from his wife saying, he wanted to see us. So I called my prayer partner and I said, you guys come with me. I, we, had no, I, we had prayed together, but we really had never prayed one-on-one in that way. We were forced, we forged ahead, trusting that God was guiding us. We met with Alan, and he was curious about our faith. He wanted to know why we were doing this, why we were there, and he wanted us to pray with him. Well, just in the middle of our talking with him, from the other bed, and the bed, bed right next to Alan's, behind the curtain, we hear, hey, lady. <laughs> but you finish with him to come over and say a prayer with me. I'm Jewish, but I really want that. We're all going to your lunch, we're just on different elevators. <laughs> but God does have a sense of humor. And we did, after we were finished with that, come over and pray with her. It was the beginning of a long and wonderful spiritual friendship with Alan. I ended up visiting him once a week. Sometimes his wife joined us. And we laughed and we cried together, and we prayed and we read the Bible. It was during this time that Alan shared with me that he thought the reason he had his cancer was because his youngest son was on drugs and was quite ill on drugs. And Alan was convinced that that's why he had his cancer. He was very angry. When Christmas came that year, he asked, we did know their whole family, he asked if we could take his son. He said, I don't want to see him, I don't want him with us. He didn't want him around. So I refused, and I got and he got with me. And I told him that his son belonged with him for Christmas. His son did go home that Christmas, and he and Alan were reconciled. Alan wrote a letter to his son, forgiving him that his son has had has with him to this day. Alan died a month and a half later. He was healed. He was not cured, but he was healed. He died peacefully. His relationship with his son was healed. And sometimes he was his death. But this whole incident started me. I remember at the very end, he said to me, when I get up there, I'm taking a big leather chair. So I'm waiting to get up there and get that leather chair. At some point, not yet. <laughs> that started me on a journey that continues. One question that I hear a lot, and I suspect you've heard it or asked it yourself, is why are some people healed and others are not? But think about it. It is a mystery. Perhaps the question that we might ask is why are some people healed and others are cured? The dictionary defines cure as uh, a physical recovery from disease, restores one's full health. While heal is defined is to make or become sound or whole. The word heal comes from the old English word healing. It is not only it doesn't only mean to restore, to help by way of cure, it also means to set right or to amend. To be healed is to receive whatever is needed in order to become sound or whole. It is the physical, emotional, and spiritual release of this the wholeness of body, mind, and spirit. I believe everyone needs a healing when we pray. 
a light at the end of the tunnel for those suffering from depression, a healing touch, and many more things that I know nothing about, a mystery to be sure. So I invite you to come and see. Come for prayer, pray for others, explore Jesus' ministry of healing in today's world. Jesus said, the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. I'd like to end with a quote by Michael, author and theologian Richard Rohr, and he has this to say. Jesus is the focus revelation of what God is doing everywhere and all the time. The Jesus story is the universe story, and you do not need to be a Christian to see that. His role is to visibly hold together matter and spirit, divine and human, and thus reveal the Christ ministry always was and always will be. And we are the knowledge. Thanks be to God.
Almighty God, have mercy on you. Forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen you in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. Yet, uh, you happen to be in that category and you're not sure what 
send a pledge card with at least jotting down what you think the least amount of money you're going to be able to give this year, and that will make you a, a, a pledging unit and put you on the, the roles as a uh, supporting member of the church. So we're looking forward to uh, a wonderful year. The, the budget is uh, bare bones as usual, but that's, that's what we need, as much money as we can get. But we're, uh, we're well on our way to supporting the wonderful ministries of this parish here in the church and in the world beyond. So thank you all very much. I want to thank Buck and members of the Stewardship Committee. You would stand, members of the Stewardship Committee. I want to thank you for your work this year. It's been, uh, every year is difficult, and they've worked very hard. Thank you so much.
Drew mentioned that the story that uh, Judy told about the man with throat cancer and the prayer uh, partner she was with, the two of them uh, were lay women, they were not ordained, and it's important to know that we all have this ministry in reality. We all have the opportunity to pray for the healing of others. And now for this commission. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we are all baptized by the one spirit into one body and given gifts for a variety of ministries to the common good. We gather here this morning to commission these persons in the name of God and of this congregation to a special healing prayer ministry to which they are called. They have faithfully studied, prayed, and demonstrated their call to exercise their ministry in the name of Jesus Christ. And now to you, team members. Will you faithfully and reverently execute your call to intercessory healing prayer in the name of Jesus Christ within this congregation? We will. I present to you these persons who have accepted a special ministry of intercessory healing prayer in this congregation. In the name of God and of this congregation, I recognize your ministry of intercessory healing prayer in this parish. Let us pray. Oh God, whose Son,
fountain of life and the source of all goodness. You made all things and filled them with your blessings. You created them and rejoiced in the splendor of your greatness. Countless throngs of angels stand before you to serve you night and day. And beholding the glory of your presence, they offer you unceasing praise. Joining with them and giving voice to every creature under heaven, we acclaim you and glorify your name as we sing. Yes, 
have given us this bread and this cup. We praise you and we bless you.